Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mac and D podcast. How you doing, Jimmy D? I'm doing great, man. Just just made it through my Thursday, so you know one one day left until the weekend. So we're powering through, ready to watch a riveting matchup between the Browns and the Steelers tonight, and you know talk talk about some football here. I know, man. It's almost Friday. Yeah, I drove. I didn't drive. I flew this time all the way to the great state of Missouri and came all this way just to go see the new Harry Styles movie tonight. So I'm pretty stoked for that one. So that should be a good one. Um, it's been a pretty crazy news day. Have you been keeping up with all the stuff that's been going down? I've been looking a little bit like I, I knew about the uh, the Phoenix owner having to sell. I, I knew about the Celtics coach being potentially suspended for a season. Um so that was all like little pieces I was aware. I don't know the full story though. So can you at least you know start us off with uh is it Ime Udoka? Yeah with yeah, the Celtics coach. Udoka. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it close. Um so yeah, he was a new coach last year, a rookie coach last year, brought the Celtics all the way to the precipice of the NBA finals. They were up two one on the Golden State Warriors, and then slowly, sadly, fell apart. Uh he is married to Nia Long, which is She's considered one of the most beautiful women in Hollywood. So everyone, he's kind of the the envy of a lot of folks. And then a story came out yesterday, very, very cryptic from Woj and Shams saying, I mean, Udoka is on the precipice of being suspended. And everyone's like, what? Did you like trade too much crypto? Did you like rob someone from DoorDash on accident? Did you kill a man? Like everyone was really confused, like what was going down? And then some rumors came out that he had been cheating on his wife, Nia Long, with a staffer with the Boston Celtics. Um, We don't know who it is. We know it's a woman staffer on uh, the Boston Celtics. But honestly, that's all the info that we have. A lot of people have been trying to speculate on who exactly it is. But like, you know, we're not trying to spread rumors or, you know, make a manhunt within the Boston Celtics organization or anything like that. Um, but then the suspension came out that it was likely going to be for an entire year, which is incredibly long whenever you consider some of the other suspensions we've seen in sports like Deshaun Watson getting 11 games and such. And the the info that we have right now is that it was a consensual relationship between Udoka and the woman. So um, as of right now, we don't know if it's any sort of assault. I think the the hairiest thing with this entire thing and why it's going to be likely a very long suspension is because Udoka more or less has supreme power. He's the coach of this team that almost won the NBA finals and he's going out and having relations with someone that is in a position of significantly less power. You know, it's kind of like a Bill Clinton sort of situation. So you, I, I feel like as a, as a person who, in that kind of power position, you have to have a higher level of, um, moral conduct and just like you, you're in a position of authority and trying to uh, have relations with someone lower down in the organization, it's always going to have that level of, oh, hey, this person's really high up, whereas the other person's significantly lower. So it's really uncomfortable and it's really weird. And the fact that it came out is insane. And then the the doubly weirdest part on top of it is the guy who's most likely to replace Udoka has like a sexual assault charge against him. So it's like, we're getting rid of a bad guy, but we could be getting an even worse guy. So what a what a messed up situation so far. <laughs> yeah, everything about that is pretty strange. I mean, good on the Celtics for taking it seriously. Uh, you know, it's not like he got an 11 game suspension or any kind of slap on the wrist like they, they really are are going through with it. Um, 
really weird all around. You, you know, everyone on that Celtics team knows who it is. It's it's good that they're not outing the the woman, like respecting her privacy, because there's no way the the players and the team members just aren't aware of you know a little bit of something happening. Like they spend just so much time together. So I don't. We'll have to let this one play out. Very strange. Not something you're you're used to seeing in in the sports world. Yeah, hundred percent. So we'll see how it ends up affecting the Celtics season. We'll see if Odoka ever coaches again. There's a lot of internal pressure for him to resign. Uh, there's a report that came out like an hour ago that he's not going to resign. But yeah, NBA is a bit of a mess. And then the other thing that came out this past week was the Robert Sarver story. And initially, it seemed like Robert Sarver was going to hold on to his ownership, but facing pressure from the other owners, which was kind of the only person that was going to be able to force him out. Uh, has they all came together and more or less told Sarver, you need to sell, you need to sell. So he's going to be selling, selling the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury of the WNBA. Um, this is a pretty big deal, and it's going to be a lot of money that gets exchanged. It's probably going to be north of $5 billion, and it's going to be one of the biggest sports sales in the entire entirety of history. So um, that one should, should be really, really interesting. And there's been rumors that the new group is going to be headed up by Jeff Bezos of all people. So that should be a pretty interesting one. And that one was um, like sexual misconduct, right? Or like harassment in, in the workplace. Yeah. He kind of just took like a bingo card of that bad things you can do as a human being. And he just like hit all the different spots. He had a bit of a black. Got it. <laughs> okay. Got it. Let's talk about Aaron judge then. <laughs> yeah. Lighter news. We had Aaron judge hit 60 home runs. So my man is raking right now. Uh, it seems like he's likely going to hit 62 sometime this week. And it's been a, a bit of a weird thing for that because Aaron Judge and the Yankees are playing on Friday night, which is when a lot of people are projecting him to hit 62. But that game is exclusively being streamed on Apple. So a lot of people aren't going to have access to that game. And it's going to be pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, is, is he going for 62 or for 61? Is is the re- is the Maris record sixty one and then Judge? Yeah, he's he's at sixty right now. Maris is sixty one, and so yeah, he's going to try to tie Roger Maris, which again is like a fifty year old, sixty year old record. Yeah. And to your point, on a service that maybe ten people will be watching. Yeah, and that's been a big part of the conversation. And then the other big part of the conversation is whoever ends up catching that ball. Like, do you give it back? Do you trade it for something insane? Do you hold it ransom for a long time? Like, what would you do if you caught a home run ball? That's that yeah. So valuable? it's really easy because I know it won't happen to me. Um, I don't go to enough baseball games to ever catch a, a valuable home run ball. But to me, you have to at least offer it back. I, you end up getting enough either free merch or you know free tickets, etc. To maybe not make it worth it, but to at least kind of you know make the the sting feel a little bit better. Uh, oftentimes the guys just say, you know what, sell it. Like you, you earned it. Like, you know, they, they don't really care too much. Cause I know Albert told that to, uh, the fan that caught the 697 home run ball. He said, just sell it. Like you're, you're fine. I don't need it. I have enough, you know, mementos. So it, it's hard to tell, you know, each athlete is different, but no matter what, whoever catches it is going to get probably five to 10 Aaron judge autographs, you know, box seats to some Yankees games, stuff like that. Um, so I, I think that's kind of where I lean to, cause it, it means you know, it's, it's for that player to decide what happens to that ball, in my opinion, not for someone that caught it. But that's also hard to say when it could, you know, mean life-changing amounts of money for you to sell something. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I heard it phrased this way where Aaron Judge is most likely going to be worth 300 plus million by the end of this year. And then the Yankees are obviously like a $7 billion organization or something crazy like that. 
So it's like, eh, if I'm a late man, I might try to get a little bit of something. Like, I'm going to negotiate at least a little bit. Like, if I'm not getting box seats for the rest of the season and, and the playoffs, like, I'm going to be a little bit upset. But I wouldn't hold it ransom because when people do that, you just look like the biggest asshole in the world. Like, here's someone who did, like, a really cool accomplishment and you're just, like, keeping that from them. I don't really feel like that's worth it. it just yeah, I don't, your name. I don't entirely knock people there because... I mean, it's easy to be like, look, I mean, to your point, okay, Aaron Judge is worth $300 million, probably about to sign a $500 million contract after how well he's played this year. Like, hey, you can you can bid on it, buddy. I don't I mean, if it, what does it mean to you, you know? So yeah, uh, it probably comes to that. I, I, I won't blame anyone just because it, it is just such a, a changing amount of money. I, I would like to think that I would return or, you know, try to give it back to the player. But, you know, who knows? Yeah, definitely, definitely a weird situation. But yeah, like you said, we'll probably never be in that sort of situation. But it would be cool if we were. That's all I'm well, saying. I go to like one baseball game a year, and it's usually in July. So I, I don't think I'm ever catching a record-breaking home run ball in July. Yeah, maybe Poolhouse will come out of retirement, or Albert Poolhouse Jr. will start playing or something like that. We can there we go. One. Another interesting thing going on this week, we have a variety of injuries happening in the fantasy space. Uh, CMC randomly showed up on the injury report this past week which is like turning a lot of people freaking out i saw a lot of people rush into the waiver wire and getting chuba hubbard and deontay foreman so what do you think of that injury is it smoke and mirrors or is it actually I, I think it's i think it's smoke and mirrors so you know he quoted saying if i leave practice to take a leak i'm going to show up on the injury report like people are just freaking out over nothing i mean he's a running back they're going to have soreness I, I think it's just the panthers doing the the correct um you know, just reporting of like, hey, he's in their treatment room getting this done. So like, we have to say it. Um, I, obviously, everyone's just really, really gun shy here because it's like, oh, it's CMC. Like, you drafted him just expecting to be let down. So you're, like, people are almost like trying to rush into the part where they're let down in their their fantasy season. Yeah, so that's definitely weird. I also think it's a little bit of just smoke and mirrors. If it's coming this late in the week and we haven't heard a ton about it, I don't really think it's going to be much. However, I feel like we have seen this a little bit in the past where CMC just has like a small nick or something like that and it completely derails his week. Just keep keep up in the know, scroll through Twitter, just make sure you're paying attention because if he's not playing, then you definitely need to put in a backup. But I don't think this is a situation where you rush the waiver wire and get Hubbard or Deontay Foreman, especially since we don't really know which one of those guys would end up being the main beneficiary there. Yep, another injury that went down this past week. Michael Pittman Jr. is still having that lingering in- injury, as is Keenan Allen. It's just one of those, like you were saying earlier in our pregame talk, just like one of those lingering hamstring kind of issues that just seems to really, really hold guys up. So uh, wh- what do you think the odds are on either one of them playing? Uh, it's it's hard to speculate. I would be I would be more surprised if Keenan Allen played than Michael Pittman, just because Allen has kind of always had hamstring issues. So like that's just not one to rush back into, especially when you have those problems. Pittman Juniors was kind of a a phantom quad injury, and I just feel like you don't need, like you can push through quad pain a little bit better than hammy pain when your job is sprinting. So I I would lean toward Pittman Junior, but uh, it's it's hard to tell. You you just get such wishy washy reports from teams. I know Pittman did participate in a limited capacity this week, which is a good sign, but. You know, that could mean a myriad of things. So we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, dude. It's like they. You, you'll find out probably at 11 a.m. Uh, before the game. So yeah. just be ready. Yeah, it's like they hold information for from us for like a competitive advantage and they don't want to give it to fancy owners. Like, isn't that crazy? Like, 
Aren't we the main important people here? I, I don't get it. I don't. I still don't get it. The last injury that's been interesting and that we can play armchair doctor with has been the Jacoby Myers injury, which has been an interesting one. He got his leg checked out yesterday, and we're still just kind of waiting around, seeing if he's actually going to play. He had a really good week last week, so any any news? This, this one hurts. Uh, yeah, well, this one hurts as a Patriots fan because like we definitely want Jacoby in the game, especially against a Ravens team that their pass defense is exploitable. I, I'm not sure because he, he finished out the game Sunday and then all of a sudden was like, oh, now he's on the injury report, though. There there wasn't any damage to his knee or anything. I think it's just pain management. Um, so I'm not I'm not going to, you know, tell him to suck it up or anything. He, he knows his body better than any of us do, but really hoping he plays. He just he didn't practice today, so it doesn't look great. However, that could just be purely precautionary since he's kind of the, the Patriots wide receiver one. Yeah, it'll be an interesting one to follow. I, I don't have him in a lot of leagues, so I wasn't like, oh, this is really going to affect me or anything. But he's a solid like wide receiver two, wide receiver three. So hopefully he plays. Um, I feel like the Patriots are definitely going to need him against the Baltimore Ravens if they want to have a chance there. So the last story that I wanted to bring up, I don't know if you've heard about this one. This one was pretty crazy. Uh, the Utah Utes have a student who this past week threatened to blow up their nuclear reactor if the Utah Utes did not beat the San Diego State Aztecs. So uh, the, basically the story was there's a nuclear reactor on their campus. There's a 21-year-old um, student that was there, and she was so adamant about the Utah Utes wanting to win that she called in saying she was going to blow up the reactor if they didn't end up winning the game. Uh, luckily, they did win the game, <laughs> um, but it was really, truly insane. I guess my number one question is, like, why is there a nuclear reactor on the Utah Utes campus? Like, just in the middle of Salt Lake City. <laughs> this is a very strange story in general. Yeah, I, I don't know why you would call in a bomb threat or nuclear reactor like that. It's going to put you on every federal watch list for the rest of your life. Uh, I mean, making a joke in your bar to a friend, that's one thing. Actually calling in a threat that like this person might actually be insane. But, you know, the nuclear reactor, I'd assume it's just they would probably have like a and like a nuclear physics type program or something or like a chemical engineering program that would do actually like particle, you know, accelerator studying or, or something along those lines is my assumption. Um, but I don't know. I don't know why a 21 year old thought it was funny to, to say that. Like, I get why they think it's funny. I just don't get why they thought it was a good idea to actually call in the threat because they are they're going to be hurting for a while. Like, good luck finding a job when every application you submit gets pinged for, you know, having the FBI watching you. Yeah, dude, that background check is going to be crazy. But yeah, she's going to be like walking around the mall and just have like 15 people trailing her at all times. Uh, basically, what ended up happening as ramifications is she went to jail, they booked her, and then she got released later that week. Uh, they did like a slight interview with her, and she said it was a joke. So, I mean, at least that was good. Obviously, Utah won. They won 35 to 7. But I also thought it was kind of interesting that she threatened this during the San Diego State game. Like, San Diego State hasn't been good for like a couple of years since. Rashad Penny and Donnell Pumphrey were there. So kind of a weird game to be threatening that. Like, I feel like if you're doing that for the Florida game, it makes a little bit of sense. Or uh, one of these bigger games that are on the Utah schedule, they have Notre Dame coming up. But, but definitely a strange one for San Diego State. Didn't know they were that passionate out there in Utah. <laughs> Just very passionate. <laughs> All righty. So we're going to move into some bomb picks for college football. But we'll be right back after this commercial break. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by the loud microwave sound. There's a lot of unnecessary things out there. Roundabouts, shirts with holes built into them, unnecessary roughness, OSHA. 
The chief among them is the loud-ass sound the microwave makes. I can do basic time in my head. I have a general idea of when my food will be done cooking. The microwave simply doesn't have the clout the oven has. If I leave my oven on while cooking my food, my house burns down. If I leave the microwave and forget about it, my food gets cold. It's apples and oranges. You're not that important, microwave. And there's nothing more demoralizing than running back to the microwave knowing that my fat ass is eating the least healthy food imaginable, but nonetheless, I'm excited. I'm like the dog from the Pavlov experiments. Honestly, I'd be cool with the microwave if it was just less loud. Turn down the freaking sound. Thanks to microwave manufacturers everywhere for freaking out dogs just because their owner's ramen noodles finished cooking. And let's get back to the pod. Alrighty, so the best way that we figured we could divide these up for these games that we want to watch in college football this week is we're going to start dividing them into the Jimmy D Normie picks and the Mad Max Sicko picks. So hit us with your first Jimmy D Normie pick. I need to start us though. Like I love this this delineation here because to me it's like okay, listen to Jimmy D for the like you you want to sound as if you know what you're talking about with college football. You know, if someone asks you a question like, "Oh, are you watching the games this weekend?" It's like you can pick up what I'm saying here because that's going to really highlight the games that is going to be you know like the main focus on the ESPNs or the ABCs. Um, and then it's also just going to be the like if you're interested in, in getting into college football like I am. These are going to be the, the more highly publicized games, probably have a bit more of the blue chip talent. Uh, so it's it's great that we're, we're kind of highlighting this. Yours is just pretty much like gambling degenerates are, are going to listen to your list because it's like, yeah, this is how we get the edge, you know, every week on on who we're, we're picking. Yeah, yeah. So we got the, the big games on your side. We have not the big games on my side. So hit us with your very first favorite game that you're going to be watching this weekend. Well, if, I think you, you have to pretty much just start with what top teams are playing each other. So first one's going to be Florida versus Tennessee is, is like the close, most closely aligned matchup. Uh, I know we're big fans of, uh, of AR though. He's not having the greatest start to a season. It's like game one, he looked good. And then game two and three, it wasn't too fantastic. Um, Tennessee, they they beat Kentucky, right? Yeah, Loki on the come up. Okay, so so they're they're you know kind of on the the up and up. So it should be a really good matchup there. Um, again, if if you're if you're gonna pick a game to watch, I think that's kind of the game you want to watch this weekend. Yeah, hundred percent. It's gonna be College Game Day also there, which I feel like should have been at my first sicko pick, Kansas versus Duke. If we're being honest, two powerhouse teams you know very well known for their football not their basketball but yeah florida tennessee should be a lot of fun i feel like these games are never normal like there's always like a fake punt that just is an inexplicably bad decision or a going for it when they should have kicked the field goal or something like that so florida tennessee Tennessee should be a lot of fun um two coaches that are really on the come up and definitely need a win there uh kansas duke though battle of the nerds you gotta love it kansas is 3-0 to start the season there's already talks for their head coach lance leopold to end up being the new coach at nebraska and uh, duke has been playing super well as well so i thought this is a game that should have gone to college game day like they're never gonna have a chance where kansas and duke are ever gonna be relevant enough to have college game day at their place i feel like this should have gotten the nod but what are you gonna do <laughs> well i think to what they could have done is if they have 
a Kansas Duke basketball scrimmage at the 50-yard line during halftime, then it could have got game day. That They really missed a, a good marketing opportunity there. Yeah, just having the football players and basketball players just like weave in between each other. It's like 3D chess at all times. I like that. No, you just you just need to wheel out a, a court really quickly or, you know, like roll out something flat enough that they can play on, you know, at halftime. Nothing, nothing too crazy. Yeah, make the interns do it. I like that. Hit me, exactly. with, your, hit me with your second normie pick. Yep, so we got Clemson, Wake Forest. Clemson, everyone knows they're a stud team. They're probably going to dominate this game. But Wake Forest is, I'd put them in surprisingly good category, or at least, you know, historically for Wake Forest. They're actually a top 25 team. So that's really exciting for them. You know that fan base is going to be excited for this game just because, again, they have a football team they can be excited about for, I won't say the first time in a long time because I think they've kind of been on the, on the, up, on the upward swing, but like they're not traditionally a, a great football program. Um, so you know, I think, I think they're going to be excited for that game. It should be a fun one to watch. Clemson probably takes them down, you know, puts them down a peg, makes them realize where they actually belong. But you know, on the off chance, Wake Forest wins this one. It'll be pretty exciting. Yeah. I think all of Winston Salem is going to be showing up for this game. Wake Forest people hate Clemson. So the, there should be a lot of bad blood here. I'm going to be watching the quarterbacks, particularly in this one, because we have DJ versus Sam Hartman. Um, Sam Hartman's looked really, really good so far after coming back from his non-football injury. And DJ's been doing like just enough not to get benched. Like he's not doing spectacular, but he's doing all right. So that that should be a fun one to see if like he can actually pass a test against a very quality team. And I think what makes this incredibly intriguing too is Wake Forest really struggled last week against Liberty. They only ended up winning by one point. So hopefully we end up getting a really entertaining game in this one. Right now it's Clemson's a seven point favorite, but yeah, a classic top 25 matchup here in week four. This game had a lot of intrigue coming into the season. It's fallen off a little bit because of an early loss, but Wisconsin Ohio state is a game that I'm really excited for. These games are always exciting. I feel like these are like the unofficial biggest rivals within college football for the longest time too. It was like Wisconsin coming out of the West, Ohio state coming out of the East. And so these teams would either match up really well during the regular season or end up playing in the big 10 championship game. There's going to be a lot a lot of NFL prospects in this game. Um, I This this was going to be a pick that I had in the college football playoff, but it ended up happening because Wisconsin lost earlier this year to Washington State. So uh, there's been jokes going around that it's going to end up being like Ohio State 70 versus Wisconsin 8. <laughs> and the only eight points is going to come from Braylon Allen, but I, I have a little bit more faith in these, this game being a little more exciting. It's going to be some weird Hail Mary at the end or something like that, so I'm stoked. For this uh, here's here's your chance to prove your, your Nostradamus effect because you called it out as one of your top five favorite games to you know, before the season. So hopefully it, it lives up to your expectations that you, you set out there. Yeah, I, I think it'll be a really, really close game just because these two teams are so familiar with each other all the time. And we don't get this matchup every single year now because it's a crossover game. So uh, we're mm-hmm. losing a little bit of that like old rivalry. They, they just announced that like Bedlam isn't going to be played going forward, Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State. So whenever we get a chance to see a game like this, I feel like you got to watch. So I'm pretty excited for this one. Your last game is also like a really big rivalry, and I like this one. Correct. I I chose it because of the rivalry. So Texas Tech is not a top 25 team, but Texas actually is for the first time in a while. So looks like Sark has that program on the right track. But yeah, Texas, Texas Tech is it's definitely a game of plenty of bad blood. Probably every five star recruit out of Texas is playing in this game right now, watching, you know, which team they end up wanting to go play for. A lot of just a lot of excitement, I think, for the state of Texas, which in general means exciting for the sport of football. 
So I think it's definitely worth your time to, to watch this game. Yeah, I'm really glad you chose this game. I thought you were going to go Arkansas and Texas A&M to give us the nightcap. That game is going to be kind of weird because Arkansas is ranked 10th right now, whereas A&M is ranked 23rd. But for whatever reason, they have A&M having, being the favorite against Arkansas. They're like a seven-point favorite right now. So someone out there, Vegas, knows a little bit more than we do. Or like it seems like they know something that we don't. So that will be a very interesting game. But this one has all the intrigue. Texas, Texas Tech games were like some of my favorites growing up. And this is going to be one of the last times that we get to see it because of conference realignment, Texas heading to the SEC here in a little and, bit. So, And you just kind of love these type of rivalry matches that, I mean, you're going to get the whole state picking them one side and then just for three hours duking it out. Yeah. And I mean, one Raiders team's got to be good this year because we know the Las Vegas one's not going to be good. So, Got him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to my friend Mason. Uh, the last one that I have that's exciting, we have Utah, Arizona State. Uh, this is the sicko of all sicko games because we already talked about the Utah blow up scandal. And then Arizona state did one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Uh, Herm Edwards, the former ESPN announcer, he used to be the Colts coach. Uh, he's been the coach for the Arizona state Sun Devils for the last few years and hasn't performed amazingly well to Arizona state's like historical standards, but like he performed okay. They went 26 and 20 under his reign, but they, he was walking off the field after their, game this past week and the athletic director and a couple other officials were there in the end zone and it looks like we weren't able to hear it looks like they fired him right there on the field as he was walking off so herm edwards is out at arizona state there's been a lot of weird rumors about why uh apparently there were people within the organization leaking information trying to get Herm Edwards fired. Like they were giving information to other teams or to reporters, just like making it look like the organization was struggling more than it actually was. And so it just seems like there's a lot of just weird, bad blood stuff going around Arizona state. And this game should be incredibly intriguing just to see what the, I just want to see what like the announcers say, like, what do you even say after all this? Like, it's just been a weird week. <laughs> Honestly, I'm, I'm glad you highlighted that. Cause that, that could have been news in and of itself that the Herm Edwards firing was just so strange, even for college football standards where there's plenty of strange or just kind of out of the blue firings anyway. Yeah. But yeah, to your, to your point, like waiting at, the end zone of a game to just be like, Oh, by the way, like here's your box to clean out your office on the way out. Uh, if you want, you can say something to the kids, but you don't have to. It was, it was definitely wild. And, and I think to your point, it could make for pretty exciting football come, come Saturday. Yeah. It'll be good drama. It'll be good TV. I, I've seen some weird coaching stuff before. I was at the game where Brett Bielma got fired right after the game, but that was like on the way to the parking lot. Like that was okay. This is at Arkansas, but I've never seen it in the end zone in the middle of the season like the Bielba one was at the end of the season so I feel I kind of feel for Herb Edwards like he didn't do anything that wrong I don't think he's like that quality of a coach he's just an ESPN personality at this point anyway but you got them playing hard and recruiting well and that's that's half the battle in college football sometimes so it really is and you run into the fact that it's like we've mentioned it before there's really eight actually relevant college programs at this point since the new the playoff setting you know maybe 12 but when, if you're not one of those programs, really, what are you fighting for? It's like you just want to make sure that you're graduating your players, you're, you're getting the occasional deep run into your conference, but you're just trying to win more games than you lose and, and keep fans in the seats. So, I mean, as long as fans were still showing up, as long as, you know, you, you weren't recruiting people that were, you know, giving Arizona State a bad name, it's like, you know, what are we doing out here? Exactly. Herm Edwards, sickos, all-star.
So we're going to transition over to NFL now. We're going to go to our best fancy matchups for this upcoming week. Uh, just basically games that we think are going to be high scoring, high octane, and have a high opportunity just being really exciting. So hit me with your first matchup that you think will be a good fantasy environment. Yeah, I love the Seattle-Atlanta game. There, there's a couple things around it. So one, it's like you could, after the first quarter, you'll know if this is going to be an awesome game or a boring game to watch. So you'll be able to switch over because I think it's either going to be like three to nothing or 35 to 30. Like I, I could just see a ton of points getting scored in this game. The Seahawks defense, definitely not great. The Atlanta defense can generate a lot of pressure, but hasn't proven that they can slow people down all that much. I mean, they they did give up what 14 points or, or 20 points in the, the fourth quarter against the saints to, to lose that game. Uh, they gave up 30 or I guess 28 points to the Rams. So there, there's definitely some, some struggles there, but they've shown a willingness to keep fighting. They get a lot of pressure. They had a blocked punt for a touchdown. So you can see some kind of off the wall touchdowns this week. And then I also think it's finally going to be, again, I, we're probably just saying this because it's what we want. Like we're trying to speak into existence, but I think this is going to be a breakout game for Kyle Pitts. You know, I would hope, you know, unless Arthur Smith is deaf, like he has to have heard enough people say like, Oh, by the way, your best athlete hasn't touched the ball in, in two weeks. So hopefully they're getting the memo and they'll get him some targets. I think Drake London could really pop off. Uh, it, you know, it could look good for Mariota. Just people that have been playing the Seahawks have been able to really pass at will. It seems so. I think you can see a lot of points, you know, a lot of DFS points there. Because on the flip side, Seattle's going to have to keep up with Atlanta. So I think they're going to be around or uh, throwing the ball quite a bit. Yeah, we might be doing a good amount of coping with this Kyle Pitts stuff, but like we're over huge here dose of copium. Yeah, exactly. Like we're doing prayer circles. We're trying to you know exercise some demons here. Like we're doing anything we can to get the Kyle Pitts bad juju away. Uh, yeah, if it's not going to be this week for Atlanta, I feel like we could see Arthur Smith getting fired sooner rather than later. We could see him end up being the offensive coordinator for the Alabama Crimson Tide by late next year. I could see that totally happening. And then the other side of things, I think this is a really good opportunity for DK Metcalf to really break out. Um, AJ Terrell, who was incredibly solid last year, the cornerback for the Atlanta Falcons, has been pretty bad this year. He's already given up more touchdowns this year than he did all of last year, which was three. Pretty insane. So I think there's a good opportunity for this being the DK Metcalf breakout game. We saw Lockett breakout last week. I think we see DK breakout this week. So Yeah, I, I wanted that. I'm glad you brought that up too, because to me it was like, if you know, you've, I've been down on DK a little bit just because it's like where he had to draft him, he definitely hasn't lived up to that mid tier wide receiver, too. You know, this is the week where if he's going to do it, it's got to be this week. And if not, then you have to really start kind of figuring out what your solution is at wide receiver. Definitely, definitely. I like another fun one. Just- Sorry, figure out your solution as a fantasy wide receiver. He's still a great receiver in the NFL. Like the Seahawks themselves are not freaking out. It's, it's us fantasy owners. Agreed, agreed. It's separate things for sure. Uh, my favorite matchup this upcoming week is going to be Ravens Patriots. This might have a little bit of nostalgia in it, but JBD, can, can you tell me how much the Patriots hate the Baltimore Ravens? Like, I feel like Billy B is just up at night, just being cursing the Ravens name. Yeah, this one's weird because, it, you know, we haven't necessarily had bad luck against the Ravens in the regular season. But, you know, I can think of four or five seasons that came down to the Ravens versus Patriots and either an AFC championship or a divisional game where, you know, the, the Ravens make it to the Super Bowl because they beat the Pats or the Pats beat the Ravens. So there's there's just generally speaking bad blood there. The Dragon seemed to always have it out for the Patriots when he was a Raven. You know, the 
the year we won the Super Bowl in 2014, we had to come back from two separate 14-point deficits. Like He would just play out of his mind in Foxborough. Uh, there was a time when Ray Lewis was going through his kind of retirement farewell tour where some Patriots fans got out a billboard that basically said, hey, Ray's retirement parties this week and in Foxborough and then had to buy an additional billboard of like, well, I guess we were wrong. So like, there's just a lot of, a lot of bad blood there. I think it was two years ago, the Patriots started like 10 and 0 and then Lamar just ran all over us to end that streak. And I mean, he did everything, but just like pull his dick out in the middle of the match and just was just disrespecting the Patriots as much as he could. So, uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's plenty of bad blood there. It should be a good matchup. I think, we really have tried to line up our defense to be able to stop, you know, the, the chiefs stop the the bills and stop the Ravens. It doesn't mean we've been able to do it, but that's what we're trying to do. So yeah, you know, he'll always have a, a good scheme to try to slow down Lamar. You're not going to stop him, but hopefully to slow him down. Uh, I mean, we beat him when we had Cam Newton. So I'm, I'm thinking we can beat him now that we have Mac Jones. Yeah, totally. I think if the Patriots of the last two decades have been the main character, the Ravens were like that rival that just like always pushed them to be a little bit better. I I remember a lot of playoff games where it seemed like the Patriots like only won because Billy B reached deep into the playbook and did some crazy halfback pass. Or I think of like that Julian Edelman pass where he Brady threw it to Edelman behind the line of scrimmage. So it was a lateral and then Edelman threw it deep down. I feel like he's breaking all the rules, but they're not breaking the rules. He's just finding the loopholes and he only brings it out. Like he's breaking open the, in case of emergency kind of kit, whenever he plays against the Ravens. So yeah. And was it against the Ravens or the Colts where we got the rules changed on eligible receivers? Cause we had like three or four passes in a row to a tackle and they were like, no, this is not fair. You're breaking the rules. And it's like, whoa, we're not breaking the rules. Like this is within the, the confines of the rules. And then like the next week they're like, oh, you can't do that anymore. Yeah. It's like when billionaires find loopholes in the accounting laws, it's like, oh, it's a loophole, but you kind of made the loophole, but like now we're going to close it because it's kind of bullshit. So I love it when Billy B does that kind of stuff. Cause I think it's super exciting. And I think we can see some weird stuff this upcoming week. As much as I like the Ravens defense, it's still not fully healthy. So that gives the Pats an opportunity to really get their offense off the ground. I think we see a big week from the running backs with Damian Harris and Armandre Stevenson. And on the other end of things, I've been really excited with this Bateman start. Like he's definitely been big play reliant, but I think this week we could see some consistent production out of him. And Mark Andrews has been arguably the best tight end so far this season as well. So I think this will be a really exciting game. And if we see Lamar continue to go off, like the MVP stuff is going to be very, very real for him. Well, we're, we're definitely going to key in on Lamar. I could see a big week for Mark Andrews because we always just seem to have issues with tight ends whenever we don't have Patrick Chung, who obviously hasn't been on the team for a few years now. Um, I, I think if JK Dobbins is back and gets meaningful touches, he could have a big game. Cause, uh, you know, we, we didn't necessarily stop Najee last week. Like once he was out in space, he was getting 10 yards pretty easily. It was just like, we were able to collapse the Steelers line pretty easily, but the Ravens line is definitely in a better place than the Steelers. So, you know, especially when we're keying in on what Lamar is doing, we're going to try to key in on Mark Andrews. I could see a Ravens, uh, running back casually getting like 90 yards and a touchdown just because it's like we're trying to force them into something they don't really want to do yeah is jk dobbins even real we don't even know so i don't think he exists i (laughs) yeah that was a wasted pick let's uh let's get into your next matchup this this team i'm really excited about so go ahead and start talking yeah i'm i'm riding high on the detroit lions and their just offensive firepower so i've got detroit versus minnesota i want to see just nonstop 
aerial assault. You know, I could see Justin Jefferson going for a buck 90 and two scores. I could see Amon Ra getting 150 and two scores. Like these teams are just going to be slinging it left and right. This is probably, this is going to be your week. You're going to see Dalvin cook. I could see him getting, you know, over a hundred yards rushing and a touchdown or two. Like I just, I don't think either of these defenses are good enough to stop what the other offense is doing. So I think that's going to be a pretty exciting matchup for, for fantasy owners. And then for anyone that, got Dalvin cook that hasn't he hasn't really performed yet to to your first round draft of him you know he could have a big week this week and either you're feeling a lot better about it or you could try to flip him for someone that maybe you're a bit more excited about exactly yeah this isn't a night game so we're gonna see good Kirk Cousins I feel like we saw the floor a little bit with Justin Jefferson I saw a few people freaking out about his bad week this past week and he still put up like 12 or 13 fantasy points depending on well that there was there was two like horrific underthrows where he would have had a touchdown so i mean you have to kind of watch the game and and put all the the pieces of the puzzle together exactly and then some of the guys that are more bit players right now for the lions like tj hawkinson i could see him having a big breakout week he's been running a lot of quality routes a lot of routes that have been running towards the end zone as well and it just hasn't materialized so far he's definitely a bit of a boomer bust kind of tight end at this point a little bit touchdown reliant but I could definitely see him having a big week against Minnesota. So this should be a really fun matchup. I, I This is a noon game. It's going to be weird, and I'm really excited. My last matchup that I have down for this category, Bills versus Dolphins. I'm not ready to admit that the Bills are good. I'm, I, I am ready to admit that the Bills are better than I expected. Uh, they looked insanely dominant whenever we were recording on Monday night. Just completely demoralized the entire Tennessee Titans team. It was on offense with Stefan Diggs going off for three touchdowns in like two and a half quarters. It was on defense holding Derrick Henry to like 20 rushing yards and a touchdown. Also, Derrick Henry looks like a really bad first round pick so far. Um, and then the Dolphins, like we've already see, said everything there is to say about the Dolphins, just like an insanely good offense. So this one definitely gives me top of the AFC East vibes. No offense. Uh, it's definitely going to be a throw it type of game. And I could see all the good wide receivers here. Gabe Davis plays, Stephon Diggs, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. I could see all of these guys having huge, huge days and it just turning into another Ravens-Dolphins game where it's like 48-42 again. I, I'm not expecting that. I think the Bills handle the Dolphins, I won't say easily, but I think it'll end up being a two-score game. The reason being, Tua looks good against the Patriots. He looks good against the Jets. Uh, he looked good against the Ravens, but I mean, also like, that was more of the Tyreek and, and Jalen Waddle show. Uh, he, he's always looked pretty pedestrian against the Bills. And this Bills passing defense is, is just on another level. So that's going to put the the Dolphins reliant on their, their kind of running back by committee that hasn't proven much yet. Obviously, I think Mike McDaniel's a smart enough coach to try to, to lean on them a bit because that's the way you beat this Bills team is you control the ball and, and you just kind of keep running it down their throats. I mean, that, that's how the Patriots beat him with only passing the ball twice in a game. Um, but I, I mean, that's kind of almost where you have to go because I don't think you're going to get, you know, deep shots on on Poyer and, and uh, whoever. I can't think of their other safety right now, which is disrespectful, and I, I don't mean to be. But, like, you know, right. they, they got two just – thank you. They got two – I mean, stud safeties. They, they've just got good talent all over that defense. I, I don't see the Dolphins popping off the way they did against the Ravens. I don't know if I'm the Ravens were playing like third string corners and, and stuff like that. Like the, the bills are at full health to this point. That is fair. Like, yeah, literally the Ravens are playing third string corners. They're playing uh, Marcus Peters. Who's like on one leg so far. So yeah, a lot of just like 
not quality guys at the moment. I, I think the Bills defense is a little more vulnerable than that. They just haven't been like fully tested. Uh, that Rams team looked awful coming out of the gate week one and then this past week against the Titans. So I think it's going to be a closer game than you expect. Um, I just looked up the line, but I don't want to tell you before we have guess the lines later this week or later, later this show. So uh, it, I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be a good fancy environment as well. And I think we'll see a lot of fancy production out of the guys. So we'll see. Let's move on to start em, sit em. Um, this is a segment where we tell you who to start and who to sit. It's pretty straightforward. So let's get into your very first matchup. Uh, you have Jacoby, Mar- Jacoby Myers as a sit and then Tom Brady, excuse me, sorry, Jacoby Myers as a start and then Tom Brady as a sit. Yeah, so Jacoby Myers, this is with a caveat if he plays, I think it's just primed to have a huge game. He looked great against the Steelers. He got a ton of targets. It was like any time we needed a first down, it was just Jacoby open. He was getting some of the deeper passes too, like like a third and 20, the ball was going to him. And now he's getting a very soft Ravens the uh, defensive backfield. We saw Waddle and Tyreek go for a combined 800 yards in a game. I don't think Jacoby's as good as them, but he could you know put up a quarter to a half of their production, and that's still fantastic for who you're putting as like a flex consideration type player. And then on the flip of that, if he is injured, that's just more targets for Nelson Aguilar. And I, I love both of these guys as kind of flex picks or uh, putting them into like uh, daily fantasy this week. Cause I think you're going to get low ownership. They're not expensive because the Patriots pass offense is, is slept on. And, and I think they're going to, they're going to produce pretty well. They, they did a gr- pretty good last week. I could see them having an even better week this week. Cause we're going to be more inclined to have to score to keep up with the Ravens. And then as far as Brady, I think he's still, he's playing pretty well. You and I talked before the show, his stat line against the saints didn't look great, but if you watch the game, I mean, his receivers were just dropping balls left and right. Um, they seem to be cursed against the Saints, but they're able to come out with a victory pretty handily. So I, I, I like the direction he's playing, especially as a 45-year-old man. I don't love that he's going to have to play this game without Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. And you know, if these receivers keep dropping balls, he might actually start spiking his receivers instead of surface tablets. So I, I think it's an awesome week maybe to play Lenny Fournette because I think he's going to have to get a lot of touches and a lot of usage in, in this game just out of necessity, but I, man, I don't love who Brady has to throw the ball to this week. Yeah. Also Fournette came out on Twitter saying touchdowns incoming. So, you know, that's a promise at this point. That, that's I, a promise. That is a like contractual obligation at that point. Yeah. We basically have to like have his house or something if he doesn't end up pulling through. So I think that's what Twitter is all about. I, I like this pick with Brady being bad this week. Uh, the corners for the Green Bay Packers have been a little disappointing so far, but when you have guys like Jair Alexander at corner, like, and we have wide receivers like Russell Gage as the number one guy. They're going to get absolutely blanketed in this game, in my opinion. So uh, I think the Brady yeah, and, and if you watch that Bears that Bears Packers game, that I mean the Bears were just running it down their throat. David Montgomery looked like he was you know running for a contract, which he is, and <laughs> kind of proving some people, myself included, that were kind of doubting him in this season. So you know the the Bucks have to look at it and go. I mean, we have to be able to you know establish the run against these guys and. I, I think, to your point, Brady will be able to get some decent looks just based off of the the Packers corners not playing particularly fantastic. But when push comes to shove, I think they're going to just turn up the tempo and hand it to Lenny and, and not worry about, you know, can Russell Gage make a big catch or can Jalen Darden actually know where he's going and, and, and things like that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. 
Uh, my favorite matchup of the week is Juju Smith-Schuster for the Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver against the Indianapolis Colts. Colts have looked horrendous so far this season. Doesn't seem like they could cover the broadside of a barn so far. And I think Juju is in line for a very, very big week. He definitely needs to bounce back after a pretty pedestrian week one and a pretty abysmal week two. Um, And then on the flip side of things, I'm really not liking Scary Terry this upcoming week. I do love Terry McLaurin in general, but I think the matchup's going to be pretty poor. Uh, Darius Slay, big play Slay, has looked incredible so far this season. Um, Just goes to show, if you take a good defender out of Detroit, he immediately becomes elite. That's just how it works. Uh, We've seen a lot of that with uh, the Patriots guys over the years as well. And so I think Scary Terry's going to get blanketed a lot. Um, He's going to have a lot of attention on him specifically, and I think he's going to end up having a pretty bad week against the Philadelphia Eagles. For sure. Slay is that dude. It's not going to be great for Terry potentially this week. I mean, Slay made Jefferson have an okay game, and Terry McLaurin is not Justin Jefferson. Dude, I love how— But the the juju take here, it's almost—it's not even necessarily like that we think it'll be a good week. It's like he has to have a good week, or it's an absolute bust, and I mean, he's like cuttable at that point. Exactly. So yeah, I'm kind of betting on the fact that like Juju's going to have a bit of a fire under his ass. And then I just want to make a comment about Darius Slay. I love that whenever he comes out and makes a big play, there's like hundreds of grown men just being like Slay out there. It's just very girly and it's very funny watching grown men say that. So uh, you can go and get into your next pick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you bring up good points there. I'm glad. I'm glad grown men make you happy. So I, I'm going to stick with it. I know I said it last week, but I think Tony Pollard's kind of a lock in your lineup until otherwise noted. Uh, Zeke looked slow. Zeke looked old. And Tony looked very explosive. Tony was getting the high-value touches, the high-value targets. I, I think as long as Cooper Rush is the quarterback, Tony Pollard's going to be the running back to pick out of that Cowboys team. Similarly, it's like Noah Brown is the receiver of choice for Cooper Rush, which is wild that they can't find a way to scheme CD open. But Noah Brown was just open all day. It was it was a weird game, but I'm I'm definitely saying, hey, you got to go ahead and, and keep Pollard in your lineup. And on the opposite side, I think you sit Ceh this week. So there's a good matchup in the sense that there, I think the Chiefs are going to be up and they're going to be up big in this game. But last time they were up big, so that was Week One against the Cardinals. And honestly, just every week so far, like CH is only getting seven rushes a game, six or seven. That doesn't really bode well for for high volume, you know, you're up by a ton type games. So if, if he didn't have his two receiving touchdowns in week one, it was a very pedestrian performance. I'm kind of banking on not getting two receiving touchdowns, you know, kind of more of the Kelsey show. And just to your point, like the Juju's maybe getting some touches, things like that. I, w- I would potentially steer clear from CH. You're, you're probably not going to just because he is at like RB5 right now. But I can see them getting up quick and then just throwing in Pacheco again and saying, hey, he can get 15 touches. We don't really care as you know the RB3 because like we're up by 30 on this team and we're not going to you know risk it. Yeah, I like that call a lot. I, not only do I think the CEH bubble has to burst at some point, I do also think that that game's going to be way more of a blowout than people may have expected before the season. The game script is just going to be awful if Pittman doesn't play. It just seems like the defense gets gassed so quickly, and we also haven't seen Shaquille Leonard at full strength either. Um, so that that game could end up getting out of hand very quickly, and it might just be it might just be the Pacheco season the entire game. And then yeah, Tony Pollard, high value male, one hundred percent. 
So next we're going to move into daily fantasy players for this upcoming week. Walk me through your lineup and give me a little rationale behind each one. Yeah, I teased it earlier, but I'm I'm a big fan of the Mariota to London connection this week. I think that's going to be an awesome stack for any of the tournament players out there. That Seahawks secondary has not looked great thus far, and and they've excuse me been in some games where we're able to see like it's just not fantastic. I mean, Jimmy G came in after practicing two times this year after shoulder surgery, still was able to throw just kind of throw at will all over them. So I'm I'm thinking Mariota and. In Drake London, Mariota to Pitts, it, it could look pretty good this week for them. The my next pick, like to my point, the uh, Packers defense has definitely improved this season, but uh, Montgomery has just was able to run it down their throat. Well, now Montgomery gets to go against a much less impressive Texans team, and the the Bears definitely want to keep winning. The they're going to be leaning on their running backs. They've proven they're willing to let. Justin Fields throw the ball 10 times a game and call it good. So I could see Montgomery getting 20 touches, even Khalil Herbert getting 15 touches. Like mm-hmm. if you're a Bears running back, go ahead and start him, put him in your lineup in DFS, especially because you're going to get that high, you know, 20 running back touch type game against a not great defense. And you're getting it at $6,000 instead of uh, a, like a CMC at 8,800 or like a JT at 9,000. That's what you want. It's just that good value right there. Uh, I said it for a stardom set but Jacoby Myers, or if Jacoby's out, Nelson Aguilar is just going to be the cheaper version. He's going to kind of get some of those vacated targets. So I love playing them this week. And then Christian Kirk, I'm just a believer in this Jaguars offense right now. They're playing really well. They, they've got a good matchup. Kirk didn't get the touchdown. Or he didn't get the touchdowns week one. He got the touchdowns last week. So now we're going to, I think, potentially see the yards and the touchdowns come together and, and he could really explode. And his price just does not really sit well with with how he's actually performing on the field and, and the usage that he's getting. Yeah, this has to be the most times Jacoby Myers ever been brought up on a podcast ever, but for good reason. And yeah, Christian Kirk has been the quietest of the top 10 receivers so far. I think he's like six or seven, depending on your format right now. And you're right. Like the, the markets just haven't completely set up with him. I think it's so funny that when we were doing our sports betting podcast, I was kind of fading him, making jokes about him potentially breaking the receiving yards uh, title for this year, but he's totally doing it so far. Like he's right in the hunt. So it's been very surprising for me. My lineup looks a little unorthodox, but I have a reason for it. So uh, I love Jalen Hurts at quarterback this upcoming week. I think that the Eagles have done a really good job about coming out early and often against teams. And I could see that totally happening against the commanders. Uh, Jalen Hurts, he's been the ultimate cheat code so far at quarterback. Getting those rushing touchdowns has been extremely key to his value. And I don't see the commanders stopping him anytime at all. And I think they start early and just get up big against Washington and just roll. I think Jalen Hurts is a great play this upcoming week. Uh, I love Pitts. We've already talked about him against Seattle. I think is a very, very strong matchup. Tyler Higby against the Cardinals. I like him a lot as well. I think he's a good flex consideration. Um, we talked about him on the pod earlier this week, but quietly going for like seven catches for 70 yards. Uh, that's all you kind of need to tie it in. And so I think he's a pretty good value at his dollar amount. And then, I just really, really love this Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt back and forth that we've been having. It seems like one week we have Kareem Hunt go off, the next week it's Nick Chubb. And week one was Hunt, week two was Chubb. That just means week three's got to be Kareem Hunt. So that's why he's my pick at running back this week. 
Yeah, I like I like what you have here. I agree. I think Hertz could have four rushing touchdowns against the Commanders pretty easily. I mean, not okay, not easily, but that could potentially happen. We need to speak into existence. Pitts, please catch the ball. Like, please get get usage. Higby has been pleasantly surprising as a as a, an option so far this year, but I am disappointed in your hunt pick. I mean, they're playing tonight, so you're not you're not going to be able to get him into a lineup. Generally speaking, I mean, you, you might be able to play like a, a Monday Thursday game, which means people already have them in their lineup or, or don't. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I just feel like you're leading the listeners astray, Mac, and I, I'm I'm just disappointed. You know, I'm That's not mad. I'm, I'm just disappointed. I, I just feel like the the listeners know me well enough, where they they know I like this weird stuff, and so they, they understand. They knew it. They they just like didn't know. They, it they like sicko up. mode, Mac. It's exactly. it's why you're, it's why we're here. That's why I'm on. We're moving to the hot take section of the pod, just moving right along. Uh, this week, we're power ranking our top five artists of all time. Uh, please don't come with a, at us with pitchforks or anything. I like music, but I don't like live and breathe music like a lot of people. So my picks might be a little bit more normy than the average person. I like your picks a lot. There's some deep cuts on there, but uh, I just went with what I like. So there, it's my opinion. You know, you have your opinion. Take it somewhere else. I don't want the arguments, but. Let's walk through our top five. Well, I just looked at yours and I got to say it's, I thought mine was all over the place, but I think yours might be more all over the place. So I'm, I'm excited to hear what you have to say. My number one, I don't think there can even be a, a contest here. Like no one's going to come at me and say like, there's no way I'm, I'm picking Michael Jackson. He's the king of pop. He, he changed the game. I mean, thrillers like that. It's still the highest grossing album ever. Uh, I, I'm more of an off the wall fan myself, but I'm, I'm not going to knock any any piece of work that Michael Jackson has ever made. If you ever go to Vegas, make sure you catch Cirque du Soleil's one, which is the they're doing Cirque du Soleil to a Michael Jackson's catalog. It's fantastic. I just I I, don't, I, I could sit here and and just fanboy about him forever, but it's it's Michael Jackson. Man. He's a stud for sure, for sure. I, I think as a number one pick, that's extremely solid. I feel like it's a bit of a scared pick, though. I, I ended up doing what I thought was the most obvious pick ever at number one. I did Elvis Presley at number one. Had some of the best singles of all time. Uh, came in like a rock star, went out like a rock star. I just watched the movie about him recently. And I don't know if I've just like been watching too much Mass Singer or you know some of these like stupid-ass music shows, but it's incredible how good his voice was. Just like listening to it, even in like his later days as he was really struggling with mental health and drugs and such. Absolutely incredible. It just belts. It really just jumps off the page. So uh, Elvis Presley, obvious number one in my opinion. We, I, you're giving me crap for going chalk here. I think we both went pretty chalky. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think you can argue against either of them. I think for my list, especially, I, I went number one, pretty chalky. Anyone could agree with it. And then the next four, are like, I'm just picking people I like, and, and there's not in any particular order. Yeah. What are you uh, going to so do? Number two, me. <laughs> exactly. Number two, and I'm going to say, you definitely don't at me here, I believe, as the kids are saying, but Conway Twitty, Conway. an absolute musical just genius I, people are gonna sleep on him because it's definitely that older style country but conway twitty his voice is, is fantastic his songs are just absolute bangers he went four years straight with having the number one really single along with uh loretta lynn you, you gotta love conway I, I know people are gonna listen to it and, and our generation is just too close-minded and will immediately just go oh i hate that that's that's bad country and it's like no take take a minute and just appreciate the art because Conway is the man. He is that dude. In your own words, he is Himothy. 
<laughs> Timothy Twitty. Yeah, I feel like yeah. we need to do one of those Family Guy bits where it's just like, but first, here's Conway Twitty. And <laughs> just like insert some of his music. So I don't know a ton about Conway Twitty, but I like that pick. Uh, I didn't go overly normal with my number two. This is 100% off vibes. Uh, my number two pick of all time is Post Malone. Uh, definitely just someone that I really like the best concert that I've ever been on. Uh, he's just an incredible talent and a really great story all the way around too. Um, he's just been a big part of my entire life, um, in terms of listening to music and, uh, some of the best songs are just like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be that person that's just like, Oh, he got me through some tough times, but like he honestly genuinely did. So, uh, I love Post Malone and people will be like, oh, number two is ridiculous. But I mean, he's yet to miss and we're going on like eight, nine years of Post Malone so far. So I, I don't see that ending anytime soon. The the best part to me about Post Malone is the more fame he gets, the more people realize he's just a great dude. Yeah. And I think that alone is just awesome to see with artists because they can definitely get an ego, just over the top egos, um, twice the size as this crib, as you may say. <laughs> but um, I, I, I like the pick. I don't know if I'd put him as a top five musician ever, but my next few picture and be like, what the hell are you talking about? So I'm, I'm cool with, with whatever you want to put it in there. At, at number three, I went with Daft Punk. I'm a huge electronic fan. And, and I think you can't list another musician without putting Daft Punk above them just because of, of how much they meant to the genre of electronic and techno music. They, they really just changed what people were willing to do with the sound and what people were willing to do in live performances. And I think for that reason alone, you just have to give them the nod. I like that a lot. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I have to add one more thing. Also, like they're, the amount of artists they've worked with, because they've worked with Kanye, they've worked with Pharrell, like they've worked with pretty huge artists in their uh, their theatrical performances. They made the the Tron Legacy soundtrack where they combined not only symphony, but or they combined symphony and techno. And they, they've just been able to consistently for like 30 years just make make huge leaps and strides in, in the music industry. Yeah. I will let you go. Yeah. Sorry. I was just gonna say, yeah, I, I fully agree with this one. They're definitely worthy of top five inclusion really changed the game in a lot of ways. And I'm really sad that they broke up recently. Uh, definitely a super iconic look to them and feel to them. Like you always know that a song is a Daft Punk song and some of the best party songs of all time, honestly, just to get you really, really hype. Mine's also kind of on the electronic side for my third pick. I went with the Glass Animals, go with a group here. Uh, they just put out incredibly good songs that just make me feel in, like I'm in a great mood. I don't do drugs or anything like that, but the Glass Animals always make me feel like I am on drugs. Uh, they put out some amazing songs, and honestly, I think the best album of all time, in my opinion, which is How to Be a Human Being. I discovered discovered that album probably like a year ago and whenever it comes on it's just like instant serotonin so i i love the glass animals uh there may be a lesser known pick but big big fans of theirs yeah i I do not know who the glass animals are so i'll have to i'll have to have you give me some recommendations after the pod they they sang uh heat waves that's like their more normie song recently if you've heard that one I, I may have. I don't know. You've heard it on I'm, the radio. Sure. You've heard it on the radio. Okay. It's on the TikTok okay. for the younger kids. <laughs> gotcha. So my number four, I'm going back to country. I was I was really weighing in on who I'd want to pick here because I, I think George Strait could have been a good pick. I think there. I mean, there's plenty of just great country musicians, but I, I just kind of thought to myself, right, who who in my list as YouTube curates the the perfect, this is what you want to listen to list, meaning you've played it once before. So we'll play it for you again. It, it seems Alan Jackson is, is just constantly on there and just go back and 
I mean, again, it's just nothing but bangers. Alan Jackson is the man. Love his music. Love some of his collabs with people. I mean, you got um, Five O'Clock Somewhere, Jimmy Buffett. Like, it's just, just really top-notch songs. It's, this is like, Alan Jackson just makes white people anthems. So you, you just got to love, got to love his music. Yeah, I feel like that might be my biggest oversight in this entire exercise was just not having any sort of country representation. But yeah, Alan Jackson, a legend. Uh, my next pick is a very much so a feels pick. I went with Kendrick Lamar. I feel like if you were in college in 2017, you just like fully understood the gravity of Kendrick Lamar. He just completely changed the game whenever he came out with Damn. Um, I still love every single one of those songs on that album. And yeah, yeah he's finally, I don't want to say finally, but he just like continually gets recognized as the one of the best rappers of all time. Like he easily is a top five rapper of all time and in my opinion he's a top five artist of all time i think we're gonna look back a lot i think a lot of his stuff is gonna end up being really really timeless as well and he's definitely not done either so love for him to come out with more stuff more often just as a greedy fan but um the work that he did also with the black panther album was absolutely insane probably the best album soundtrack that i've ever heard for a movie ever so i love kendrick lamar and everything that he does so he's top four for me yeah, I think I think that's a great pick. It, it's one of those ones that I think even a few years ago you might have been like, well, "This is kind of prisoner of the moment." But then the more you look at it, you're like, "No, his, to your point, his stuff's kind of timeless. I think it's going to be around for a while." Uh, my my last pick. This one was tough because I wanted some EDM representation, and, and I think I'm kind of flavor of the month as EDM goes. Like I, I have three or four artists I listen to quite a bit, but I, I change up who it is just based on how I'm feeling. However, I feel like the one I always go back to is Alinium. So I, I, I got to put a lineum in there. Just the kind of tunes that to your point, I don't do drugs, but you know, if, if I were to, it'd probably be to the, the vibes of a lineum, uh, been to some concerts, really, really just love the, the sound that he has. Hey, the viewers, the listeners are going to think we're boring. We're not doing drugs, but what are you going to do? <laughs> I, I, we probably are boring to be honest. I don't think they have to think it. <laughs> yeah. We're a couple of white guys out here. I've never heard of a lineum. Uh, I've probably heard some of their stuff. I just didn't know it was a lineum. I don't really know artists as well as I know uh, the sports ball players, but definitely going to have to check them out after the pod. Uh, my last pick is probably the most controversial one, but I had to sneak him on here uh, at the very least just to get content to get engagement. But I really, truly love J Cole. Uh, I think he's never missed on a single album, a single song even of his. Uh, Whenever No Role Models comes on, it's just like pure serotonin once again for me. So uh, J. Cole, I think, is incredible. Some of the collabs that he's done have been amazing. So uh, just all around a big J. Cole fan. And uh, he's a baller too. So he fits in with the sports theme of this podcast as well. (laughs) Yeah. Anyone that can make a a hit song that includes a George Bush quote, I think is just truly an artist. I mean, you just got to tip the cap to J. Cole on that one. Was that a real quote? I've always meant to. Yes, it, it was a real quote. Just if if you ever have to ask, is that a real quote from George Bush? I think your safest assumption is yes, he would say that dumb of stuff. I, f- I felt like they like dragged him into the studio, put a gun to his head, forced him to say that. But like, I, I'm not that surprised that it was a real thing. I just never looked it up, but I always meant to. That's funny. All righty. So those are our top five artists of all time. Hit us in the comments. Let us know what we did wrong uh don't come to us too hard but yeah we we love the constructive criticism but we have opinions you have opinions you know how that works so uh the last segment we're going to do here is we're going to roll through guest the lines like we do every single week uh basically the point of this segment is they there are vegas lines that come out 
Jimmy D and I are going to go through each game and try and guess what that line is. And whoever is closest ends up getting the points. So uh, the first game is tonight's game, Steelers at Browns. Jimmy D, what'd you do? Yeah, I, this is just one of those classic NFC North matchups. So to me, the Browns are definitely a touchdown better than the Steelers, but their games just don't play that way. They, they always seem to be within a field goal. Um, so I, I kind of thought, okay, field goal, maybe plus a bit just because the Browns are definitely better than the Steelers this year, at least to this point. Uh, so I went Browns minus four and a half. I, I you know, I, I think I could have been swayed anyway, but it just kind of felt, felt right. Yeah. Browns are definitely in the more quality team. The, the team around the quarterback situation is honestly incredibly quality. And with being the home team, I did Browns minus five. You had Browns minus four and a half and you continue your cheating streak and it's Browns minus four and a half. But what are you going to do? Heck yeah. Love to see it. Uh, next game is Saints at Panthers. Another divisional matchup. We have a lot of divisional games this week, which is pretty cool. Uh, I went Saints minus six and a half. I think the Saints have been an incredibly better team. Panthers have definitely struggled a little bit just getting adjusted to the Baker era. And I know the Saints have a bit of an offensive woes, but hopefully we'll see Kamara this week and that will solve a lot of things. Yeah, I agree. The Saints are better. I think the issue we run into is you got the the Jameis in, or the, excuse me, the Jameis injury is definitely putting some some clouds out there. It's a divisional matchup. You know, the Saints were only able to beat the Falcons by a, a point, even though it was an offensive explosion that helped them out. To me, it, it just makes that a, a kind of a field goal game, especially when you consider the Panthers are at home, and, and that kind of is supposed to technically give you three points. So I, I'm thinking it's going to be. Closer, more like a Saints minus two and a half. JVD, you know when you cheat, you're supposed to like make it close and not like be dead on. So it doesn't. Did I get it spot on again? Yeah, minus two and a half Saints. Right on. (laughs) Uh, Texans as Bears is the third game of the week. We're split on this one. I have Texas minus Texans, excuse me, minus one and a half. I think the Texans have just been the more impressive team so far. Um, Even if one of those games was a tie, whatever. Uh, I have Texans minus one and a half. Yeah, I'm the opposite. I'm Bears minus one and a half. It's at Soldier. I think this is, I just think the Bears are a bit better potentially, or at least they can run the ball pretty well. So it gives them a, a puncher's chance. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I've, um, I've dookied on the Bears enough in this podcast, and I keep telling my buddy I'm going to stop doing that. He is adamant the Bears are a lock this week. I completely disagree, but I'll side with him and say Bears minus one and a half. Yep, you nailed it again. Bears minus three. So we're about ready to see Jimmy D blow the first 3-0 lead in NBA history. I hope you guys are ready. Next game is Chiefs at Colts. Uh, I had Chiefs minus eight. I think last week kind of showed me that Vegas is willing to do these bigger lines, so I did Chiefs minus eight. I think... I don't know. This is a weird one where I could see the Chiefs winning by 14, by 21. I mean, God knows how much. But I, I just don't think Vegas ever wants to put those kinds of lines. I, I, I think they're going to try to keep it like a weird line that gets people going, oh, does Vegas know something I don't? And actually take the Colts with a bad line, even though they really shouldn't. So to me, it's more of like a weird, you know, a home game. So five and a half points for for the chiefs but it's more like eight and a half because the the colts are are at home uh so i just, I just went with five and a half it just it felt like for some reason vegas was going to keep this one closer than it really should be yeah that home came really bailed you out it's chiefs minus five and a half <laughs> heck yeah next up this is a weird one because i have more faith in the bills than you do or, or at least like i think vegas has more faith than you do so i have bills minus five and a half it's bills at dolphins 
Um, I think the Dolphins were impressive last week, but the Bills were even more so. I think that the home game, just like the Dolphins' home field advantage, like just isn't that great. So I did Bills minus five and a half. Yeah, I still I just stick to the the home team gets three and a half points. So this makes it like a Bills, you know, minus six and a half type line. So you're thinking, do I think the Bills can beat the Dolphins by a touchdown? I personally do, so I would take it. But I, I think especially after that explosion of offense that that the Dolphins had. Vegas is going to keep this line closer. I could see it moving as the game gets closer, but I thought it's probably going to start at like a three and a half and then maybe move from there. Mm, you overanalyze this one, JVD. I got a dub on this one. Bills minus five and a half. Feels nice. good. Feels good. Finally got you one. Lions at Vikings is the next game. We're split on this one as well. I went the homer pick and I did Lions minus two and you picked the Vikings. Yeah, I, I don't see the the Lions getting back-to-back weeks where they're allowed to be a favorite. You know, I think Vegas felt dirty doing that. So to me, they're going to have to go ahead and make the Vikings favorites. To your point, it's not a primetime game, so we'll see primetime Kirk Cousins. It's at the Vikings, though. They'll, they'll play well. I think the Lions have benefited from getting to play at, at Ford Field where the crowd's actually really into it because they're just finally excited about that team. Yeah, we actually sold out our game last week, which was pretty cool to see. Uh, yeah, you're 100% right. It's Vikings minus six. You get this one, unfortunately. Oh, wow. I wasn't, I wasn't close. I said one and a half. I thought maybe it'd be a, a closer line. Well, so I, I just yeah. benefited by not being a, a, a Lions fan. Way closer than me. Uh, Ravens at Patriots. I'm so excited for this game. I think the Ravens are going to play extremely well. And I think the Lamar hype train is going to be off the chains by the end of this week. I did Ravens minus three. This one was was tough. I kind of thought it might actually be a Patriots favored game, but that, I thought then, okay, is that just the Pats fan in me kind of over, you know, over hyping them? The Patriots kind of get the field goal benefit for being at home, but I still just the Ravens are probably going to win this one. So I, I kept it closer just because you know we talked about it earlier. The, these games always seem to be really close. Duke it out. Uh, so I went Ravens minus one and a half, but I, I feel like you might end up taking this one. Yep, it's Ravens minus two and a half, so I beat you by a half point. Oh, that half point. Oh, my goodness. Get out of here. <laughs> Love to see it. Next is Bengals at Jets. This game's going to be kind of ugly, in my opinion. It's definitely a must win for the Bengals. If they fall to 0-3, uh, Joe Burrow, he might have to delete more than just his Facebook and Instagram. So I did Bengals minus five. I'm looking at my line. I did Bengals minus three and a half. I think I almost want to bump it up to minus six and a half, but... Yeah, I mean, the Bengals team is definitely better than this Jets team. The issue being they are 0-2. They're, they've shown definitely some struggles on, on defense, and definitely that line that was supposed to be fixed isn't. Um, so I'll, I'll stick with what I said, 3.5, but I think he might be by catching this one too. Yep, no takebacks. It's Bengals by 6, so I win that one. Okay. Back-to-back dubs. Love it. All right, next we have Raiders at Titans. Uh, we're split on this one as well. You did minus, Titans minus two and a half. I did Raiders minus two and a half. As bad as I think the Raiders are, I think the Titans are even worse right now. They have a plumber as their quarterback. And honestly, I feel like Ryan Tannehill should be looking to get his Class B CDL license so he can start driving some heavy machinery, just find a whole new career. So I did Raiders minus two and a half. Yeah, definitely two struggling teams currently. Uh, the Titans are definitely missing A.J. Brown. Um but, you know, home team, they still got some juice in there. I went Titans minus two and a half. It's Raiders minus two and a half. Oh, my goodness. How does it feel to actually get just to, to string some in a row here? Dude, we're on the come up. Don't worry. Don't sleep. Uh, next is Eagles at the Commies. I mean, Commanders. Uh, I did Eagles minus eight and a half. This is 
purely a Jalen Hurts versus Carson Wentz pick. I think the Eagles are just a much more talented team, and I think they're just going to run all over the Commanders. Kept it at a touchdown just because it's a divisional game and it's a it's an away game. But yeah, Eagles minus six and a half. Nice, you you know that one. It's Eagles minus six and a half. That's a lot closer than I would expect. Like the Commanders looked really good in the second half last week against the Lions, but God, they looked awful in the first half. So. I'm a bit surprised on that. I thought the hype was going to be pretty high on the Eagles, but whatever. well, and it's the revenge game for Wentz. So I mean, he might he might either throw for five touchdowns or five interceptions and nothing in between. Dude, he might celebrate by like storming the Capitol afterwards. Who knows? <laughs> you know, who knows? <laughs> Next is Jaguars at Chargers. Uh, Jaguars have struggled a little bit, and I think the Chargers have looked incredibly good in two weeks. They should have beat the Chiefs. I did Chargers minus seven and a half. I agree the Chargers should have beat the Chiefs, but I don't love that Herbert is playing with broken ribs. That does not help at all. I've been pleasantly surprised with this Jaguars team. I, I think it's only going to be like Chargers five and a half. I could see that line moving, though, by the public. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this one moved. It's Chargers minus seven, so I get this one. You son of a gun. <laughs> love it. Uh, next is Rams at Cardinals. Weird divisional game. Kyler really balled out and went dummy hard at the end of the last week's game against the Raiders. I think that's not going to change too much for this line. And I did Rams wise five and a half. This with it being a divisional game and being an away game, I, I kept it a little bit lower. I feel like these are never super high lines. So I, I went four and a half. I just feel like the Rams are a bit more quality than the Cardinals. That's fair. This one is, I can't find it on the damn app. Minus three and a half Rams, so you get that one. Next is Falcons at Seahawks. We were split on this one as well. I took just the home team. I did Seahawks minus two. I think these are two pretty comparable teams in terms of quality so far. And I think that the 12th band just gets them the edge here. So I did Seahawks minus two. I feel like the Falcons are just a better team. Uh, you know, there's just a little bit more cohesion on offense right now. Again, they, they're able to generate a lot of pressure, which I think could could give Geno fits. So to me, I just said Falcons, like with the minus one. I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you should have gone with the other team, the Seahawks minus one. Darn. Yeah. Well, we were. I think you got. I think the twelfth man is probably what did it. Yeah, I thought we were split a lot last week, but we're split even more so this week. All right, now we got Packers at Buccaneers. Um, I'm shocked that you went Bucks on this one. I did Packers minus two and a half. A lot of the reasons that we mentioned earlier in the pod, I just think they're a better quality team. And without the receivers, I just think the Buccaneers aren't that scary. So to, to me, with this one, the, the Bucks defense, I've been hyping them up a little bit. I, I do think this Bucks defense is better than they're getting credit thus far. I mean, they... They've played two very, very solid games. They get a lot of pressure, and they can, in my opinion, definitely guard the receivers the Packers have because the Packers don't really have too much quality receiver at the moment, or at least they haven't shown it yet. Uh, and then every time I feel like the Bucks are going to be not favored or favored by less, it, it ends up being them favored by a ton. So I was like, at eh, home game, I'll, I'll give it to the Bucks because I just feel like they keep getting – like they're the favorites in the game. That's fair. That's fair. You completely nailed it. It's Bucks minus one. As the kids would say, I am shook. Next, we got 49ers at Broncos. Basically, my thought process here where the Broncos haven't looked that bad this year. 49ers coming off of Trey Lance injury. They're probably going to be reeling a little bit. I did Broncos minus three and a half. I wasn't sure. I, I was like back and forth. I almost called this one a pick them just as a like, I'm just going to go 50-50. I might get it over Mac. Uh, you know, the 49ers looked good, but Jimmy G out there. 
But then you're at home in Mile High with hopefully an improved Russell Wilson. I, I don't know. He's been playing kind of rough. So I, I just was like Broncos minus one and a half. I, I didn't really know how to go after this one. Dude, we're both wrong. Niners minus one and a half. That's hey, crazy. Right, that would have been my, my other side of the coin, but doesn't matter. I'm closer. You are closer, but dang. That's a, that's a hell of a choice right there. Backup quarterback for the Niners. I know it's Jimmy G, but Jesus Christ. Okay, that's not. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a starter at quarterback. That's not really a backup. And and Trey Lance kind of didn't exactly play great until you know Jimmy G came in. So yeah, that just feels wrong to me though. Like I, I feel like it's a lot of just it being on Sunday night and the Niners have more primetime experience. But damn, last one that we have here is Cowboys at Giants. We have the best two and O team of all time, the New York Giants, playing against Cowboys who have Cooper Rush at quarterback. I, I kept with the Giants. I like the momentum. I did Giants minus two. See, I went with the better quarterback and the Cowboys. <laughs> uh, I also just think that fan base just bets so hard that these lines are always skewed. So I said Cowboys minus half a point because then that can get those those diehard Cowboys fans to just hammer that. Yeah, it didn't matter anyway. I'm going to lose this week anyway, but the Giants had minus one. So I won this one. Okay. So Jimmy D continues his reign on the picks. I obviously need to get better at this. He wins nine to seven. Um, I'm late for my movie, so we need to go ahead and wrap this one up. Really excited for this week three, and I uh, hope you all have a great time with watching sports this weekend. It's going to be a great time. Thanks, everybody.